All right. We got Joe. We got Kay. Hey, Kay, how's your day going? Did you get any trading in today or are you busy? Hey, everybody. Uh, no, definitely. Today was a good trading day, especially for a stock like 3M. And I don't know if you guys watched that, but yeah. Yeah, tell me more. What did you trade with 3M? How did you get in and out of that? Well, you know, I actually had a long position and I opened a CSP on that one for 3M. Oh. And since it was down 11%, it got a pretty good, um, you know, six months out uh, premium on it. So pretty good. Nice. All right. Collecting cash. Oh, we got Gavin speaking of options strategies. Let's get Gavin in here. We'll be talking about what might be working in these kind of markets. I like to hear about that. So we've got some interesting stuff setting up, right? Different sectors moving. Uh, markets making all-time highs. So what what to do here? Stocks too hot. You know, do we utilize different op option strategies? I know I'm, I like one in particular I'll be getting into. We got Gavin here who's an options guru. He'll be able to drop some knowledge for sure. And uh, then we'll get into some other sentiment, hear what other people have to say and their thoughts on the markets. Let's see here. Get the, get the night trader an invite. We got the dividend dog out here. Yeah, get an invite out there as well. Hopefully you guys can join us on stage. And we're getting some Tuesday trading talk. Do like to get into the markets. I do trade the markets. I invest in the markets. And there's one reason, and that is because I like to build wealth and I don't want to do it all on my own. I don't want to have to, you know, put in the blood, sweat, and tears for every penny I earn. I would like to let my money do that for me. So when they talk about let your money work overnight. They're talking about your money making money for you. That's exactly what we're talking about here on Tuesdays. And that's what the stock market's there for, right? Like, obviously, you can lose money in the markets. There is risk. But over the long term, I think it's proven, you know, it's bottom left, upper right. And there are ways that if you are interested, like many of you are, that's why you're tuning in, I'm sure, you can you know, enhance your performance and get better performance and, and or bring in income if that's what you're looking to do. You know, there's ways to increase your income and multiple income streams. You can utilize stock market and the different vehicles that we talk about here. So we got a lot of different uh, folks with different angles and how they go about it. So we'll get into all of that and uh, just kind of jumping into markets right now. We're hitting all-time highs, right? Like, it's really nice to see it, honestly, after such an incredible run last year. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on this space. People are a little bit nervous, like, oh, we had such a huge year in 2023. How can we have another positive year in 24? And certainly there's, you know, precedent to show that we could pull back. But also, we're in the midst of a bull run, and bull runs can, can continue. And there's no reason that markets can't do the same thing they did last year and give us 20% returns. So you don't want to be sitting on the sideline waiting for that. Obviously, this is not financial advice and there are no guarantees, but we do like to, you know, kind of chop it up and talk about different uh, possibilities and, and what's going on um, in 2024 with these markets. So having said all of that, I personally am really happy that I, you know, kind of put the pedal to the floor towards the end of last year. But right now, it's like kind of what do you do, right? I'm sure people are trying to figure out what do we do, especially if you're already heavily invested and you're feeling like, you know, maybe things are a little extended and overheated. So, you know, I, I know that we've bounced around a number of different ideas in the last couple of times we're out here. So I'm going to, you know, kind of randomly throw it out there. And blind luck, I thought you were the one who mentioned 
actually looking at alternate investments here and and looking at different things other than just equities and so have you been you know taking advantage of you know tlt i think it was you know taking yeah uh, so tlt i've been loading up on some of that um i have a lot of money on the sideline right now and i, I hate saying that because that's not what i like to do but um i have been locking in some of these cds at you know five percent plus just just in case there is a correction, I'll have some, you know, fresh powder to load up. And if not, I'll take that 5%. That's not a bad risk-free rate. And that's the difference now, right, is that you can have that money on the sidelines and it's not just sitting there. You're getting yeah, 5%. Exactly. Cash isn't trash. Like, I made 23% last year. So it's like, well, I'll take some of that off. That's way above average. And if I get 5% on that chunk I took off over the next two, three years, I'm still ahead of the long-term market average. So just de-risking a little bit, but definitely trying to stay liquid. So if there is a correction, I can definitely load up. Nice. And TLT, for those of you that might not be as familiar, right? That's the 20-year Treasury bond ETF. And and really what, what you're saying here is, you know, you're looking at locking in. Um, you got great rates right now you got, as far as relative to the past several years, right? We had no return on your money. And now we're talking you know, between four and 5%. Um, and sometimes in some cases, even better. And if we're going to have an environment where those rates start dropping and start coming down, um, then getting in uh, TLT, for example, might be advantageous here. And exactly. Yeah. TLT moves inversely to rates. So the Fed start cutting rates. They're like, oh, the economy's looking soft. They start cutting rates, the stock market crashes, TLT is going to go straight up. So it's kind of a counter trade, if you will, or inverse. I don't know what term you would use, but um, it's, it's a protection trade for me. Yeah. And you might think, oh, well, why not just get into equities, right? If they cut rates, then equities are going to rip, right? And there is definitely the, there's that part of the conversation. But there's also the other side where if we are cutting rates aggressively, it might speak to a broader you know, larger uh, issue with the economy. It might be due to reasons that would drive the equity markets lower and therefore, you know, not the best spot to be in. And you have a lot of risk there, especially given the returns we've had. So getting into something like TLT is a nice way to kind of offset those risks. And it's not something that's talked about a lot. So I'm glad it's just kind of, you know, you brought that up a couple of weeks ago and given us alternate, you know, options to things like, for example, I know Paul, who I don't think he's able to join us this evening, but Paul mentioned PayPal a couple of weeks ago, and that's, you know, higher risk, higher reward, and people are get, getting their reward right now. I mean, we talked about it at length, and now we're getting some nice nice uh, upside here in the, the very near term for PayPal, and after it had been beaten down, you know, it might look like an opportunity for some upside long term, but there's certainly a lot of risk there. Um, you've got to consider, you know, company yeah, risk. Exactly. The nice thing about TLT is, let's say the Fed cuts rate, historically, markets will either be flat or start trending down if it's a world event type thing. Um, but let's say equities go rip. You're still going to get that same benefit with TLT because it's, you know, a 20-year bond is going to move quite a bit. It's not like it moves 2 3% when the rates get cut. It'll move 10 to 50%. So they're going to get equity-like performance when rates are cut without the risk. That's that's why I'm targeting it. I like it. I like it. So I'm actually going to be looking at different uh, – oh, look, I think I see Paul out there hanging out. Let's get Paul up here and uh, drop the invite, Paul. Hopefully you can join. And 
Let's see, did we lose Dividend Dog? Get him another invite. So yeah, we'll get into a couple of tickers here as well because there's definitely some stocks I like looking at, um, even in this environment. But you know, one thing I'm interested in is, oh yeah, actually, Kay, what do you got? Let me throw it over to you. Hey, just adding to Blind Lux, uh, so TLT, right? So another option if you don't want to buy TLT, like you can always look at Money Market, right? Most, I, I did put a link on the in the chat uh there are banks like you know banks like american express or you know you can look at capital one they are giving you a good 4.35 percent or some local banks i guess are giving five percent but that's another option uh in addition to the tlt oh nice i like that you uh dropped that that reply there check that out everybody <laughs> but yep that's exactly right you got to look at these alternates uh, alternative investments here it's, it's definitely uh, worth looking at where in the past few years I would have, you know, not just kind of hit the snooze button on, on them, to be honest, because you're not getting any return on your money. And I want yeah, exactly. to get And I don't think this should be anyone's like primary strategy. It's just a nice way to hedge your nice. risk. Yep. Yep. Well said. Well said. So speaking of hedging, uh, Gavin, you got, we got you up here. And uh, if, any, if you guys haven't checked out what Gavin's got going on, Options Trading IQ is the right way to label it, IQ in particular, um, because he's got a lot of great knowledge on numerous options strategies, things that you may not even heard of, and then also like nice and simple strategies for those of you who might just be getting, uh, just getting into the options world and learning. So Gavin, in this environment, are you looking at particular kind of strategies? Um, you know, when we've got a market that's been ripping, you know, feels bullish, but also is a little bit extended. Is there anything in particular you like to, uh, any uh, strategy you like to employ? Yeah, so going back to the, the bonds and, and TLT comment, what you can do if you don't want to risk too much in the market right now is, you know, put some money in T-bills, paying about 5%. And then you can use that to buy call spreads to limit your risk. So rather than you know putting a whole bunch of money into stocks, you can just use call spreads, and then it's it basically becomes like a risk-free trade, right? Because you know, let's say your the T bills generate you know two grand a year or something, you can take that two grand and then just put that into call options. If you lose a hundred percent on the call options, you you still end up at kind of zero because it's just the interest from the T bills that have kind of paid for those calls. So, you know that's a a good potential way to still maintain some exposure to the market without you know taking on too much risk. Yeah. So let's let's, let's uh, dissect that a little bit or pull that thread a little because I really like that idea. So just walk through example. You know, you've been uh, let's say a year from now or six months from now, even we've taken this. Uh, approach where we've utilized TLT, got some yield from it, right? And now we're feeling like, hey, you know, we've, we've waded out that kind of rougher spot where we feel like the risk is not there anymore. And so, or at least it's lessened now and we're ready to get into an equity position, um, but maybe not full on, you know, equity. This is something I like to talk about actually is is using options to you know, lessen your your exposure, your risk exposure, while still getting into the markets, right? Getting exposure into equities. So, for example, instead of spending, you know, let's say you want to invest in a Mercado Libre or something that's a thousand dollars a share, or an ABGO, right? And you're in, you're in the um, semiconductor space, a thousand dollars a share. You want to take a hundred share position. That's going to cost you a few pennies. Where 
Um, instead, you might have a take a bullish stance using call options or a call spread, right? Which is where you'll you'll buy a call option at one strike and then sell it at a higher strike to kind of even further reduce your exposure, right? And then what you're saying though is use that that money that you've you've received, that premium received from TLT, for example, to take those positions. So it's effectively, you know, if you lose on all bets, you're right back where you started. You're not at a negative a negative spot. Explain that and outline that basically how you would Yeah, exactly. So yeah, if I know I'm gonna get, you know, two thousand dollars in cash flow from interest payments over the next six months or twelve months, yeah, I can I can put that two thousand to work now. You know, I could match the expiry date to to the six month period if I want to. Um and yeah, like you said, if if it all goes stocks crash, whatever, you know, I know I'm gonna be right back to where I started. I'm not, not gonna have lost anything. So it's a nice sort of almost no risk way to trade. I mean, there's there's risk because you've got opportunity costs, right? If you had have just done the T bills, you would have got the two grand return in interest. But you know, to to have a, a position with upside potential and and pretty much zero downside potential is is kind of what it's all about. Yeah, see, and that makes a lot of sense to me here because of how extended you know some some areas of the markets might feel to some to people right yep. it's like yeah i'll get this premium and then take a lower risk position but you may not want to be out of the market right or, or at least you know not reduce your overall position sizes so yeah i think that um that's a really kind of crafty but yet not not overly complex way of going about um putting your money to work for you instead of you know taking on outsized risk or unnecessary risk. I really yeah. like that. And it's, it's good because we can do it now, right? We weren't able to do that sort of thing in the last couple of years. So now that rates are higher, um, you know, we can take advantage of that, which is nice. Yeah, see, and this just takes a little bit of advanced, you know, thought and, and, and putting yourself, and by advanced, I mean thinking ahead of time, not like complex, you know, next level necessarily. It's just getting out ahead of where you want to be six months from now. Okay, I want to have this premium. I want to have this yield. Um, so that I can put it to use and not be using my own dollars, you know, not risking my own capital um, that I have right now necessarily, right? And um, yes, I like the strategy a lot. Do you have uh, what else were you going to say there? Sorry, I feel like no, no, all good. Nice. I was wondering if there was any other. While we're on the topic of options here, um, any other interesting strategies that you like at this point in time? Like, for example. Um, what we're just talking about a little bit is stock replacement strategy where, you know, one thing in, that you can do is uh, take advantage of options to, you know, lay out less money to take the same position and get the same kind of movement um, and returns as you would as if you bought uh, positions in the stock. Now, this only works if you're, you know, really trying to buy 100 shares of each position of your position. but um, yeah, you you know, I'm sure you can explain a little bit better than I am. But uh, are you taking advantage of these this low volatility to utilize options prices? You know, because with the low volatility, we have lower prices and options to kind of use in you know use any stock replacement type strategies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, synthetic longs are, are good. Um, you know, basically sell a, an at the money put and buy an at the money call um, gives you all the return potential of investing in the underlying without having to put up all the cash. Um, you've got some margin requirements, but, um, you know, just be careful with that though. Cause obviously that's kind of like trading with leverage. 
Um, so you don't want to take, you know, too many of those types of positions. Um, the other thing that, that at the moment is we're in earnings season. So there's really high volatility in the short term options for a lot of stocks. Um, so you can do things like diagonal spreads where you're selling the short term high volatility and buying the longer term lower volatility. So using that um, skew to your advantage. So, you know, that's definitely something that works well over earnings. Yeah, so these are some strategies where you really start to get into some of the details. So if you guys are interested in these things, not that Gavin has asked me to or, or, or you know, paying me to say any of this, but I will tell you, I have looked at what he got, he puts out for his uh, information, you know, knowledge on his website at Options Trading IQ uh, and stuff puts on his timeline. So be sure you're giving Gavin a follow if you just want to learn anything along the lines of options trading, but also if you want to get into some more of the, you know, intricacies and learn some of the cooler strategies that are out there. Um, yeah, I hear, I see Gavin writing about them all the time. So appreciate you sharing some of that today. Yeah. And uh, I, I keep it simple, you know, I definitely keep it simple. Yeah, simple is good <laughs> sometimes too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Would you recommend using, um, you know, Kay and I were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, using uh, the CSP strategy or wheel strategy here. Markets do kind of, I mean, they're moving, but it feels like we're making highs, making lows and, and kind of chopping if you zoom out a little bit. Um, do you do you like to use that cover or cash secured puts, the oh, CSP strategy? Yeah, that's like one of my main strategies, um, particularly on, you know, blue chip stocks, ETFs, you know, things that I just want to build a long-term position in um, and collect dividends and sell calls against them when they start to go up a little bit. So, yeah absolutely use that all the time i dig it i dig it so What's gavin, up, i was gonna ask gavin what kind of um stocks are you targeting cash secured puts on right now because i i have quite a bit of cash right now i wouldn't mind buying some stuff on discounts but um you know what are you seeing good premiums on right now well premiums are a little bit low but i mean you can take advantage of earnings like if there's a stock you like um you know for example just one i got in front of me right now but you'd need a lot of cash to do it because it's trading at 387 is meta. Um, you know, the short-term options because of earnings on, I think, Feb 1st or Jan, Jan 30, 31, somewhere around that, that date, um, the short-term volatility is like 57%, whereas normally the volatility of the stock is only about 39%. So um, you can take advantage of pretty much any of those names that have got earnings coming up. Those short-term options will be um, pretty juicy with the premiums. Um, but the other main thing is just to pick pick companies that you like long term. Like I tend to avoid anything kind of high risk, um, you know, blue chips, Apple, Amazon, all that sort of stuff, right? And then ETFs, um, I like the sector ETFs, XLK, XLF, um, you know, IYR. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. I put some stuff you actually want on, not just gamble. Yeah, <laughs> makes yeah, sense for sure. So, you know, you don't want to get stuck bag holding something right that's a that's a dud stock that drops by 50 60 percent that's that's a pretty bad scenario for that sort of strategy yeah we were just talking about 3m that um you know had earnings here speaking of which and you know Kay mentioned that you know sold off after after reporting and uh taking advantage of that opportunity around earnings to collect a little premium as well yeah. so yeah, those opportunities are yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. So one one scan I do is for the Dow stocks and, um, you know, I just filter them by RSI and I look at which ones are the most oversold and, you know, those are the, the bluest of blue chip companies, right? And they usually bounce back. So I think we saw, 
you know, not long ago it was McDonald's and Home Depot were the most oversold and then they've gone on and had a really good rally. So, you know, I'm sure companies like 3M and, and Boeing and Chevron, which are the most oversold at the moment, you know, they'll, they'll probably bounce back at some point. You know, they might have a little bit more downside in the short term, but, you know, they're quality companies that are, you know, generally not going to go to zero, right? Yeah. Uh, and, go ahead. And I, and I think, uh, you know, just they're hitting the same point, right? I think always, if you're doing a real strategy, do it on the stock, you don't mind getting assigned. And I think if you have those solid blue chip dividend companies, and I know Dividend Dog is probably listening as well. I mean, you get dividends while you own those stocks and then you run a covered call on that. So it's like double whammy over there, right? You get a lot more bang for your buck. Exactly, yep. I like it. I like it a lot. Mr. Joe France, we haven't thrown it to you yet. I don't think that you are one to utilize options, but I am curious what your investing strategy is um, in markets like this and given you know, where we're at these days. Yeah, thanks, Nate. And it's, uh, you know, it's so interesting listening to you guys. Um, you know, I'm, I learn on all these calls, so it's it's really cool to hear um, these strategies. And uh, yeah, I was just kind of waiting because um, I didn't want uh, to- Anyone there? Change. Yeah, we uh, got can you. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Yeah, if if, if Joe's away right now, uh, I, I, could, I could take it. Um, oh, you know what? We got Joe talking. Uh, you might oh. not be able to hear him, Paul. But- um, oh, I'm sorry. No, Go ahead, Joe. I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, Paul okay. No, look, I, I guess I was just going to frame it as a question, which is sort of, you know, my, so my strategy has been, um, you know, based from my experience is uh, I'm a very, very long-term investor. So I, I just, um, I'll buy stocks in a few companies that I really like and then hang on to them for a long time. And um, I'll, I'll tell a short story is that um, in 2009, I'd sold out of a tech company and I, and I and I bought ten thousand dollars of Netflix shares, and I was just checking the numbers on it today, um, thinking about this call. And so I, I got around uh, twelve hundred shares. And in twenty fifteen, I think you might remember, remember Netflix did a seven for one um, share uh, stock split. And so um, when I look at that, and I look at what it would be, what it would have been worth today, um, it's about four million, four point three seven million dollars. Uh, if I'd hang on to that um, stock that I bought at 10,000. And I didn't, unfortunately. In, in um, about a year after that, I um, was convinced to invest in another small business and I, put, I sold everything. Um, I was convinced that there was a deal that was too good to miss out on. And um, you know, I had my entrepreneurial spirit, so I sold everything and invested into this business and it went bust. Um, but but the, one of the big things I took out of that was just, um, the benefit of taking a long-term stake in a company, and um, you know, Netflix was—I didn't—I didn't even think it was a—it was a hard pick at that time. So I just wonder what you guys think. You know, I, I guess my question would be, um, who do you think that these trading strategies um, are well suited to? Um, how much work is involved in it? Um, is it for you know, are you doing it for income? And and what do you guys think of that sort of long-term strategy? And and who might that who might that um, be suitable for? If, if you know what I mean. Yeah, great questions for sure. And real quick, Paul, I threw another invite out to you. Hopefully we can get you. Oh, we got Paul up here. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, Joe. So I'm going to jump in and answer this first. Uh, give my my two cents on, on some of what you just mentioned there. And um, one thing I would say is, you know, 
not not to be vanilla about it, but like if you don't have the time and you don't have the interest in stocks, like not number one, you're probably not tuning into spaces here on X. But if you are, I think that's fantastic. Um, but indexing and forgetting it, that's a real thing and, and that will serve you know anybody well. But if you are looking to get a little bit more returns and you start looking into investing, you know, one thing I would mention um quickly is Invest in something that you're interested in, right? And do your research and do all that fun stuff. But but if you're not, you know, looking into something that you're interested in first and foremost, then you're you may not have the uh, I don't know the attention to I guess uh, keep on it and keep track of it. And the one thing about investing in individual stocks is you don't want to just kind of leave it and forget about it, right? You actually want to know what you're invested in and pay a little bit of attention there, even if it's over the long term. Um, there, you still need to be paying attention. You know, things happen. Like we had headlines recently of uh, ADM ticker ADM, where the CFO is messing around and screwed up the books, and because of it, um, you know, Archer Daniels Midland is a company I think it is, and it sold off. It dropped the stock dropped from sixty eight to fifty overnight. And um, you know, these are things that you want to be paying attention to. And if you're not familiar with the company, you might freak out. You're going to be losing sleep over things. It's just not worth it in the long run. But if it if it's something that, you know, you are interested in, then start with stocks. And then when it comes to options, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm big on selling covered options to, to learn. So covered calls and cash secure puts where there's less risk and Really, what you're giving up is additional upside potential to collect premiums and learn about options and how they work. And then from there, kind of gradually build out. And there's so many different option strategies that you can utilize. Like I mentioned, Gavin's got a list of them on his site um, that you can figure out what suits your personality and roll from there. So that would be kind of like the steps I would take, basically, right? Like figure out what stocks you have interest in. Um, learn how you know how they move and are you a fundamental kind of analyst or, or a technical trader you want to look at charts and what have you and then from there you know see if options is, is the next step you want to take um not exactly like textbook right but joe that's what i would say what do you think about that yeah i think it's it's um it's been it's, it's really interesting as i say i'm learning from you guys my, my actual strategy um that i've taken is to to, to stick to things that I know really, really well. So I was in the ad tech industry and, uh, you know, and I, for 20 years. So I, I have insight into companies. I've, I've seen companies grow from very small companies, um, you know, and, and I'm really in interested in um, networks that can, that can kind of grow. So um, th those are the kind of investments that I'm interested in. And I really like to know a lot about the inside um, about companies. So, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I go into Glassdoor and I look at, um, you know, company reviews. Um, you know, you mentioned that the incident with the cooking the books and things like that. I mean, I think you really have to look into company culture and, you know, be disappointed, um, you know, over time with some companies where the behavior wasn't what you expected. So I like to know as much as I can about the companies. And so that means ultimately I don't invest in many companies. Um, it's a pretty small number. And um, so, but I, I intend to hold on to them for a long time. So that's sort of, that's been my approach. I'll tell you the best way to learn too is make a mistake. So I'll share a story. Uh, you guys all know about Sirius Satellite Radio, right? Um, and back in the day, this is going back 
uh, 15 years or so, maybe maybe even longer. Um, and they emerged, God, man, maybe it's 20 years. That uh, that COVID lockdown time messed up my timeline. I have no idea. Anyways, it goes back 15, 20 years. Sirius Satellite merged with XM Radio. Like, you might even, you know, I don't know what it's even called now. It's just Sirius XM. Anyways, they merged, and it was like this big to-do. And I was super hyped about it, right? And I talk about investing in what you know, but also be careful, right? Like, you can get super hyped about something, and I'm sure you guys have done this on the panel one way or another, right? I'd love to hear about it. Um, I was thinking, look, everybody's, you know, going to be traveling, going to be getting on the road. Like, that, that's never going to stop. And this is a great advent where you can have, you know, radio everywhere you go. And we've got big names like Howard Stern. That's only going to continue and have bigger names. And now they're merging, so they don't have any, you know, competition. And I was all in on Sirius Satellite Radio. I was telling everybody I, I knew, like, this is it. This is the thing. It's going to blow up. And it went from $5 to less than a dollar faster than I could, like, you know, even comprehend it. Like, it's just how it went. What's up, Paul? I was just saying, I was just saying, that's brutal. Yeah, uh, please keep going. No, yeah, it's brutal. And the thing that I learned from it was, you know, my excitement, like, the stock market didn't give, doesn't care about my excitement. And uh, my lack of due diligence there was because of being overly, you know, excited and just catching on the headlines, right? Like, hey, we've got this merge. Hey, we've got Howard Stern. Hey, you know, it's the next best thing since sliced bread. But if I paid any attention to just some of the basic fundamentals, like, hey, how much debt did they have piling on? And were they able to generate cash to pay it off? And, you know, what did the direction, the trend of that, you know, cash flow usage utilization look like i didn't look at any of that stuff and um i didn't look at the charts i didn't look at it i didn't take time to study much of anything at that time i just really went in all in on this thesis that i had formulated and so it's really easy to do when you get when you're especially when you've got markets that are ripping and you feel like you're missing out you get that fomo and you find something that makes sense to you and then you watch it go from five dollars to a buck and then it's brutal. So the opposite of what Joe was talking about with Netflix and they're doing seven to one stock split and the shares running higher. They were doing stock splits on Sirius just to stay above, you know, to stay listed and not hit the pink sheets. And that's the last thing you want your investment to be doing. Right. So anyways, uh, I will sh- I could share those kind of stories left and right because, um, you know, I learned a lot from them. That's for sure. I'm two ways about it. I'm sure you guys don't make any mistakes like that. So that's good. I'm, this is a solid panel. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thanks. We're all perfect. We we never make mistakes. We're all perfect investors. That's and, right. Uh, I you know. just remember the days of AMC and GME. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, AMC and GME. Yeah, you said it, Kate. So, so Joe, Joe is talking about Netflix, and that's I I, I feel. I feel t- I feel bad for him um, not holding on to those, not diamond handing those shares. But you know the the type of attitude where where he has that sort of entrepreneurial spirit, the risk taking spirit. Um, you know, if he didn't have that, he we he probably wouldn't have even had the money available to to invest in Netflix at the time, or he he would have never even bought the shares to begin with. So, you know, we 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 are where we are. You know, because. 
you know, we we are sort of the sum sum of all of the choices that we made and our personalities and you know it, it's you wouldn't have uh it, it wouldn't have happened any other way uh joe i you know you made the right choice at the time that you felt and uh, you took a bet on yourself it was the kind of the brave the honorable thing to to go your own way but um but yeah netflix oh go on uh no, I was just going to say thanks, Paul. That's that, that's a really good way to look at it, and um, you know, and I learned from all of that. So, so you know, that's uh, it's an expensive mistake, but if you learn, then that's the main thing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, but yeah, Netflix, um, Netflix uh, did really well earnings. The um, the implied move on it, um, the IV going into earnings tonight was uh, a plus or minus eight point two percent move and it moved 8.7 percent so it didn't necessarily smash but they did they did uh, get it right that the uh the move was going to be pretty big like an eight percent move is pretty large um but yeah they've got um let me look here they've got more subscribers than they ever have uh which is pretty pretty incredible i think they have how many 260 million subscribers um pretty pretty impressive uh revenue was good or eps was uh was fine but um you know they are getting rid of their their cheapest uh their cheapest tier uh, you know we were talking about long-term investing in companies that you like or you you understand uh you know i i think you know i'm not the first one to say this but like long long degeneracy like long laziness anything where people where people are are like um sort of doing less uh, like it, like a uh, DoorDash or an Uber or Netflix or uh, Bitcoin, any anything that that sort of um, gets those the the gambling mindset going or uh, you know enables people's laziness uh, are definitely things that are that I I think uh, are I'm bullish on those types of things in the future for sure. Um, that's a great that's a great thesis, Paul. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. You can be optimistic and hope that, you know, people are going to do the right things, but it's, you know, we, we are still, we still have the brains of cavemen, you know, the, the hardware is there and all of the, um, all like, you know, the smartest people in the world are working like food science or they're working on uh, uh, their quants or, uh, you know, their lawyers or whatever else, they're, they're programmers that do AB testing to try and get you to click on ads, uh, you know, 0.2% more. Uh, you know, the, that's what the smartest people in the world are working on. And, and, and like, <laughs> because our hardware is so much uh, less advanced than, than our understanding of how to manipulate that, um, you know, I, people are only just getting better and better at manipulating a, a people. People are more susceptible to that type of stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's good to be optimistic for yourself and your family and, and whatever else, but in terms of society, um, you know, things are sort of, uh, you know, the wealth gap is widening. You know, I, I, I put posted something about how a dollar cheeseburger isn't a dollar anymore. You know, like a, like a big Mac value meal is like 18 bucks. It's not even a value meal anymore. Um, you know, there, there's sort of a chasming chasm that's widening, you know, like a Brazilification of the United States where there's haves and have nots. And, you know, it's just the, the, there's so many pitfalls that people fall into, uh, throughout their day-to-day -day lives, there's so much administrative burden that's put on people. Uh, you know, for me, it's like people are stressed out; they can't afford anything. They're going to eat a cheeseburger. 
they're going to drink a Coca-Cola. They're going to watch Netflix. Uh, those are the easy buttons. Um, so long-term investing, that's kind of my thesis on society. That's kind of my, my, uh, yeah, that's where I see the ball rolling off the table. That's where I see society going. Um, you know, and you can be optimistic for yourself and stuff, but I mean, that's the will to change the people's ability to change is, is uh, usually pretty low. Um, self-improvement. It's usually the will for that's probably pretty low. So most people are going to fall into the trappings of Krispy Kreme and, and fruity pebbles and, and, uh, you know, Pepsi and all that stuff. So that's, that's yeah, sort of I my think, thesis on the I future. Paul, you know, there's a reason my profile picture is an ape. And, um, you know, you look at movies like Idiocracy and stuff. I think in the back of our head, a lot of us intuitively know, like the survival of the fizz thing's not really working. We're just reinforcing these bad behaviors. So yeah, you know, one, yeah. of the new, one of the new spaces I've been kind of looking into, I don't know much about it. So I'd love to hear you guys' input is, um, like the whole online sports betting thing, like DraftKings and all that, like, Oh yeah, players, yeah, hundred percent right? agree. Like, what are your long-term thoughts on you know that sector? No, I totally agree. It's it's the same type of wheelhouse. Same. T- I don't want to interrupt you, but yeah, it's the same type of wheelhouse that you know being up like sports betting. So options trading is one thing. Uh, you know, it, it is skill based. You talk about like sports betting. That that is like you're just lighting money on fire. That is like some silly. That's some silly Billy stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's so it's, easy it's, for people to do it. Sign up, right? Like they must be making money. <laughs> oh, they're making money hand over fist. They're making money better than they've got better odds than a casino. Well, they they basically like a casino at a poker table. Like they just take the split. Like you know, they adjust the line based on the you know who's betting on what side. They just take a you know percentage cut. They can't lose. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of DraftKings or sports betting in general in the future. It's only going to be more further legalized and. It's uh, the barrier to entry is pretty low, but the barrier for success is pretty high. Um, so I'm definitely long on that those types of behaviors because uh, people are silly. Yeah, I need to look into it more. I, if you guys know much about that sector, I'd love to hear. I, I don't know much, but in my mind, that seems like exactly what Paul's talking about. People are going to go for the easy, try to get the instant win. You know, you see how successful the lotteries and stuff are. I mean, sports betting seems like it's just time to grow. Yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment here. I'm, I call this the uh, not the sports betting side of it, but the rest of what we're talking about, like the Wally scenario. You know, like everybody, <laughs> and if you invest in anything that's on its path towards, you know, that's what you see in that movie Wally, with everybody floating around in their chairs and hitting the easy buttons. Um, yeah, that that's I'm I'm with you, Paul. I think that's the the right long term thesis. I'm curious to hear what Night Trader has to say about um you know different investments here maybe along the lines of what we're talking about or if you've got any thoughts on DraftKings in that sector so i know we talked about some interesting stuff last time you were on so what do you got this time around night trader yeah thanks uh i i like that you call me night trader no, nobody calls me dave anymore actually i prefer night trader so <laughs> uh yeah i have some good thoughts here so i'm gonna make a couple quick points and i'll make it fast and i'm gonna end with a trade idea and i'm I'm gonna ask you a question at the end here nate i'm gonna toss it back to you with a question so yeah i got an opposite possible trade so i only just to sit back now i I can only trade the market i mean the present you know where we're at now and the way i look at it is you know i agree with what you opened up the uh, space with nate where you were talking about we're in a little bit of a you know some stocks are up some are down and we're kind of in kind of a weird 
place right now is, is what I'm sensing uh, myself. So the way I look at it is a lot of my stocks that I own now, or a decent percentage of them, I bought back in early November. So I'm kind of framing the present now of, you know, to my mind, the market bottom basically back in like November 1st, right around that date. If you go to any stock try, I guess I'm probably 80% of the stocks now, even look at them, they bottomed in early November. And that's when I bought a lot of my stocks when they bottomed. So now fast forward into the present, I can't really find, I can't look myself in the mirror and really buy a lot of stocks now, even though adding to the ones I own, because I can't get a price that's lower than I paid, you know, around November 1st when I bought a large percentage of my stocks, um, including Shopify. So, so what I've been doing lately is like right now, my strategy is I've been taking profits. I mean, the market's kind of high now. So I actually sold out of the stock. I love Shopify, which I bought, you know, again, last early November at $50. I just sold out at 80 now, I would have liked to hold that stock, but I'm just common sense, you know, I'm just taking some profits. And what I'm doing now also is I'm doing some paper trading. Uh, if you look at some of my posts, I, I uh, am paper trading a Celsius call option this week. And luckily, I am paper trading it because it's down about 20%. So I did a weekly uh, call option on Celsius uh, paper trade, and I've been tracking this. I've been posting it every day, and it's been going down uh, since last Friday. So. Uh, you know, that's where kind of things are. Now, that paper trade, this is how the stock market works in call options, as you guys know, is so I bought that. If you would have bought Celsius when it crashed last Friday, I think it went down like 12, $12 or 12% or something. So uh, if you would have bought a call option, a weekly call option for expiring next this Friday at around 57, they were, you know, going for 27 cents. So if you were quick enough and on Monday, yesterday, I think around by around lunchtime, those options were doubled almost up about 85%. So if you're quick enough with options, you would have got out of that. So, but, uh, so that's considerably down now, but you would have made an 80% profit if you sold out yesterday. Uh, so the, what I'm looking at now is I, I did a post on Zoom. I'm going to wrap this up with a question back to Nate. So you look at Zoom now, like as a trade idea. Now, it looks almost exactly like PayPal. I call it like the new, it might be the new PayPal trade. Everybody uh, uh, is, not many people are looking, everybody's hot on PayPal. But if you look at Zoom, Zoom is very similar. It's, you know, the chart pattern is very similar over the last three years. And this company makes a lot of money. We know, we know all about the fundamentals of Zoom. It's, you know, has no debt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, but so I, I wouldn't, I'm not a huge fan of zoom, but I was talking to someone today. I work in it. So I, I know a lot about technology and I have never been a fan of zoom. Our company, I work for a multi-billion dollar company. We use like Microsoft teams. So zoom, I kind of laugh at, we don't really use it, but you know, I, I talked to someone today. It's pretty high up in it. And they said, you know, a lot of, a lot of educational institutions, college, like, you know, schools are all using zoom. And then I also heard some good things about zoom phone. They have this uh, um, IP phone that they have. So that's doing well. So, you know, Zoom is a trade idea. So I was looking at options on Zoom. I would not buy myself. Uh, I wouldn't buy commons on Zoom. Personally, I'd buy options. But I want to toss this back to you, Nate, and maybe to anybody else, is that, you know, the market's high now. I'm, I'm seeing options premiums are high. So just, just take Zoom. I mean, I'm looking at Zoom has earnings late February. Uh, if you want to look at buy calls right after that early March, seventy dollars calls. Zoom's trading at sixty five now. Seventy dollars calls are like 
$4.40. So to me, that's expensive. So um, I'm going to toss it back to you. And also, by the way, Nate, uh, Zoom is ARC, whatever it's worth. Uh, Kathy Woods ARC, uh, Zoom is her, I didn't realize until tonight, um, it's her number four holding in ARC. So I guess she she has a high conviction in Zoom, whatever that means. But I want to toss it back to you, Nate, um, or anyone else who wants to answer this. Like, would you buy a Zoom call? Like, what would you do yourself, Nate, with Zoom call options? You know, I mean, do you think, do you agree with me that they're expensive now? I think they're very rich. So that's all I have to say. I'm going to toss it back to you. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I appreciate your thoughts as always. And, um, you know, especially circling back to your thoughts on Shopify, because I know we talked about it last time. And yeah, taking profits, like one of my favorite things to say is you can't go broke taking profits. And, uh, that's the smart thing to do. It might run higher from here, but if you've gotten the trade that you're targeting, then I mean, I'd love to hear it. So that's great. And then the idea of going to paper trading at these market highs to kind of practice in names that you know might seem a little bit um, risky right now, I think is super interesting. You know, everybody has their thoughts on paper trading, but I think that if it helps you. Um, if you're able to get in the mind, right mind state and trade it like you would regular, you know, regular account or real account, then uh, I think it's absolutely beneficial to get in the hours. It's like that 10,000 hour rule. You, the more hours you put in, the better. Um, and so full circle to Zoom, um, I think Zoom is really interesting. So you, you mentioned your conversation on, and I'd love to hear if anybody else has thoughts on Zoom. Um, Definitely heard about it being utilized in you know educational uh, systems and platforms. Um, also, when you talk about government um, contracts and contractors, uh, I think that there's some real interesting stuff there because they have requirements that Zoom meets, and I don't know what the competitive space looks like there. Like what what other you know? Because when you get into defense contracts, for example, or other things and working with the government, they have very high um, thresholds for security and um, being able to, you know, add restrictions, constraints, all that good stuff. And Zoom meets that bar from what I understand. And so we've had this long consolidation uh, period here. And Kay, I am definitely curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, we've had this long consolidation period. So right now, I think that if you were curious about, if you're interested in going long, utilizing some longer dated calls would not be a bad idea. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, I would try to, uh, let's see here. I should say definitely. The one thing that I would say is that I wouldn't get an oversized position because it doesn't feel like Zoom has necessarily figured it out here. There's no leg higher, right? I would feel better if we had rounded this bottom and kind of moved a little bit higher with more higher highs and higher lows formed instead. I mean, we had lower lows just as recently as November of last year. So um, I'd rather see that kind of curl up before I got in. But then I do like the idea of using options. What do you think, Kay? What are your thoughts on the subject? So uh, just to add a couple points on the Zoom, right? So I think a lot of uh, SaaS companies, they use Zoom. And one of the biggest advantages of using Zoom was that uh, anybody can actually open a free Zoom account. So you can have your own Zoom conferencing. Now, unlike Microsoft Teams, the biggest uh, advantage of Microsoft Teams was that most enterprise companies, they have Microsoft products. And what Microsoft strategy generally is that, you know, once you have their product, you can get their other products for much cheaper. Now, 
uh, a lot of companies, a lot of billion dollar companies like you know Verizon, and they they went into a completely different route. They didn't go Microsoft Teams. They went something with Blue Jeans or something like that. So there are other products as well. So um, Zoom really does the conferencing. You know, it is remarkable. And there are so many features in Zoom. If you use it, you'll realize how good that software is. Of course, you know, Microsoft team has caught up over the years. Now, I think looking at the chart from my standpoint, you know, there's a lot more volume at your um, around the 71. However, I what I want to really see in the Zoom technical chart is that they, if the stock price breaks down, I want to see if there's a, they go below the 200 day moving average. I think that is one of the critical points for Zoom. Um, I would, I mean, if you, if you, if you're looking at long dated call options, maybe yes, but I'm still, I want to wait for their earnings to come out and see how that, you know, shapes up. Uh, but yeah, if you're playing earnings, then maybe, maybe you can try that. But I, I, I would still stay away. I'm, I'm still not confident with Zoom's, uh, return because one of the things that happened with Zoom was Zoom was the first company that said, Hey, everybody work from home. And then most recently, I think a couple months ago, they had all their employees coming back and that also kind of backfired uh, from a stock market uh, pricing standpoint, right? And a lot of the stock went down a couple of days after that news. But I think it, you know, everybody is back to normal, I guess. So what are your thoughts on that, Night Trader? Oh, yeah, I agree with you. That's a good point. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question back, Nate, or somebody else. Like, why are these Zoom, This, like I said, Zoom reminds me so much of PayPal, it's not even funny. But why are these Zoom call options, and I agree with the other speaker that I would, I personally would stay away from Zoom, um, even options. But, like, why, why are these damn call options for Zoom so rich right now? Is it because the market's high? Like, what? Anybody have a reason why? Because I don't know, and that that would scare me away. I just think they're even the long dated options are expensive in in my mind. So, that's my last point. Question. Yeah, I'm. I haven't followed close enough to know, relatively speaking, if these options are expensive or not. Gavin, do you have any thoughts on uh, the Zoom option prices at the moment? Yeah, I'm just having a look now. Like the implied volatility is actually pretty low compared to what it's been historically. So. Um, you know, I don't think they're actually as expensive as they used to be, these call options, right? Although we go out to March, the volatility is at 41%. Um, but if we go back to mid last year, the volatility was up at 60% in the, the run-up to earnings. So, you know, I actually think the, the volatility is lower at the moment and the, the options are actually cheaper than the, what they have been in the past. Yeah, so so there you go, and, and this is a uh, I, I love it. Thanks for bringing that. Thanks for going through that, Gavin. So you know what we're talking about here is options prices, which are impacted by a number of things, right? But one of those uh, items that really drives up the options price, or you know, helps it be, remain a little bit less expensive, is the implied volatility of the underlying stock. And so what Gavin's highlighting there is that Zoom. While it has, uh, you know, an applied volatility, I think you said in, in the 40% range, historically, it's much higher. So relative to itself, it's actually come down with the, with, you know, with respect to options prices, and they're a little bit more affordable. That being said, um, you know, you're going to have stocks that are more volatile are going to still have that higher levels of implied volatility and therefore, you know, higher option prices which just makes sense right if a stock's going to move you're going to pay yeah. for it so yeah you're going to have have higher volatility in a stock like zoom compared to you know johnson and johnson or apple um 
but yeah, historically they're actually pretty cheap now compared to what we've seen in the past couple of years. I'll, I'll drop a chart in the chat here um, as well. Yeah, so you know, one, one thought is if you are long Zoom here, this might be a spot to uh, sell cash secured puts at maybe like the $65 level. I haven't looked in detail, but you know, if there's decent premiums to be collected, you know, even though they're not elevated, um, you know, if you're looking to buy in, if you'd be comfortable buying in at 65, for example, that's a range that's dipped down to and found support uh, pretty regularly going back, you know, over a year now. And so that that's, you know, one of the options I might consider there if I was looking to go long. Um, and also, we just got a downgrade on Zoom as well from I think that was uh, BNP Paribas. So that's sixty dollars they are predicting. Yeah. Oh, they went to sixty. So yeah, some some uh, some weights there. It's a good one to talk about. Yeah, we had some interesting uh, stocks that were brought forward. I know Dividend Dog messaged me off to see if we can get him on next Tuesday to talk to one of his picks, and uh, I don't think he can get on stage today, but. Uh, that would be great to do. And then also, I know we've got Dylan here. Dylan, I know you're pumping iron, I think, but uh, you had a great pick you've been talking about. I don't know if you were able to jump on the mic and talk about ticket MNDY, which is monday.com. Um, just a nice, nice move. Yeah, dude. So if I'm a little out of breath, it's because I'm at the gym. Today is leg day, so I'm doing some squats. Um, but I thought I'd jump on here because, you know, I like hearing everyone's thoughts and how they're thinking. So... I, I do think it's important to say that I, I'm not a trader, um, but I do, you know, follow a lot of the technicals and I really do focus on the business and the business fundamentals. But there was, there was actually three buys that I, I nailed, um, you know, from a trading perspective is I hit the low on the trade desk actually within $2. So I bought it at about $63 per share. And all this is documented on Savvy Trader. Um, and then I was... Uh, pounding the table on Monday, right before it ended up breaking out from its consolidative pattern, um, you know, at about $130, $140 per share. Um, I hit the low, this recent low on MongoDB, uh, exactly the low. I think I bought it at like $362. Um, and then also the DraftKings low, which was about $32. So, yeah, I remember yeah, you talking man. about that one too. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the reason why that, that I'm talking about that is I, I'm not a bragger, um, but I do think that the point that I'm trying to make is that sometimes when you focus on buying quality companies and, and understanding at least somewhat surface level of the business, then you, you at least get an idea of what direction is going to favor it. So a lot of people do like PayPal and a lot of people, you know, like Zoom. But the thing is that, that I always look at those stocks, like Alibaba too is another one where a lot of people are talking about it. But when I look at those companies, I look at like the competition. Right. So like from a fundamental perspective, uh, what is valuable, valuable about Zoom? So Dave Greta, he actually hit the hit the nail right on the head. It's like Zoom and PayPal are pretty similar. You know, they're previous darlings, especially in 2021. But the competitive environment for both of those companies, just the company, not the stock, but from a company perspective, it's like I don't know anyone who uses Zoom. I use FaceTime. I use MS Teams. You know, that's what I use for my nine to five job uh, and even other people, you know, that. There's all sorts of different video softwares that are out there. And then, uh, you know, like PayPal, there's all sorts of competition that's out there for PayPal too. So it's like when you buy a fundamentally strong company, and that's on how to win money or uh, how to make money in stocks by William O'Neill. It's I read that whole book, and that's exactly what my, my philosophy here, where it's like 
if you find a company that's effectively going to revenue and earnings growth, like those are the winners that you're going to want to hit. Yeah, well said. I love it. What do you got, Blind Luck? Yeah, you, you nailed a couple of really good points with Zoom and PayPal. Um, both reasons I didn't buy the company. I like the companies. I use PayPal. I don't use Zoom. Um, but yeah, you, like to your point, there's no barrier to entry. Um, and we were talking about DraftKings earlier. Um, you know, I, I've been trying to, I've been having a hard time getting my head around this one because like I like the space, but it seems to me like there's going to be a lot of players because there's not a lot of barriers to entry. Like anyone can set up a betting house who has a little money, right? So like, what's your thoughts on DraftKings long term? I'm just curious if, if you this see is, another you know, opportunity or, I mean, I don't know much about the space. I'm trying to learn here. This is a really good question. And I think that it's the number one question that people have a hard time wrapping their mind around. Like, because it's like, what about all the competition? For example, like FanDuel, they compete with. So just from a numbers perspective that we know from a historical perspective, that they have been taking market share from FanDuel and everybody else in the space. And then also they ended up, what ended up being the catalyst from them going from about $32 per share to nearly 40 was that an analyst came out and said that the ESPN bet that came out is not really cutting into DraftKings market share and they can continue to take market share. Um, so when they ended up doing their recent analyst day, they ended up giving us very soft numbers that said, hey, assuming that we do not take any more market share, assuming that we uh, you know, just maintain what we currently have, and also in addition to this, maintain the current states that we have, that they expect to uh, end up hitting like $4 billion in EBITDA uh, by 2028, I think is what it ended up being. So from a profitability perspective, you have this, this company that's going to reach gap earnings from a very, very conservative estimate basis. So this, this market's growing really quickly. And just like how I always end up saying sometimes that AWS and Azure, they both have market share. There's always going to be somebody else. There's always going to be a one, two, three, four. But it's who's going to take the most market share. From DraftKings perspective, like from a competition perspective, like what makes them different than their comp than their competition, like FanDuel, is their parlay gaming system and then their iGaming that they have too. So DraftKings really does have a great product. So it's not even like what they have right now today. It's like where they came from three years ago during 2020 when they went on the recent rise. The product development over this time, so their product development has just been above and beyond the competition. And then where they're even going in the future, I'm excited about yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, that you talking about the profitability kind of just had a light bulb moment for me. You know, everyone was talking about Uber and how like awesome they were prior to COVID, but they were never profitable, you know? So like to have a company that's growing that quickly, has a great product and is profitable, that's actually pretty unique because a lot of these fast growing companies, they're not profitable until after they've taken all the market share and then they can get their pricing power worked in there. But well, uh, yeah, because like it's a little different. Because so much of that, like, you know, it's like Uber or DoorDash or any of these other, like, types of new spaces, online gambling. So much is, you know, they burn through VC capital to try and uh, to. Uh, it's all about customer acquisition. It's exactly. all about market share. Yeah. And that's, um, that's what my concerns, man. If they're just going to burn through a bunch of money, giving $300 sign up bonuses, and then, you know, they run out of money and somebody else, like, FanDuel comes in, does the same thing, takes their market share. But, if they're already profitable, that that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I, I uh, mostly run with DGENs, and uh, they all use DraftKings. So, uh, yeah. Hey, from that. Nate, one, one more thing. I don't mean to interrupt you. I was in the middle of the here. I, just for perspective, I got a $60 price target on DraftKings by the end of the year. Uh, just running a valuation framework. So that's, that's where I think it's going to be. 
I love it, Dylan. I'm glad you could join because you do bring some great knowledge and you bring, you know, your studies, which are very on point. So I, I love to hear it. Um, I'm actually happy to hear about DraftKings in particular because I am bullish. Last year I had a great year. So seeing uh, the potential for more upside this year would be, I'd love to see it. And like I said, I see people using, we talk about that. I mean, I joke a little bit saying I, I run with the DGENs, but at the same time, all these guys, like they have their choice. They could pick from any of these apps and consistently across the board, they're using DraftKings. So I think that's worth noting. Um, yeah, I just looked, DraftKings is up uh, 250% um, from, from 2023, the start of 2023. Yeah, that's a monster right there. Just an absolute monster. Um, so yeah, I love I love getting into these picks. Um, Paul, you mentioned PayPal last week. We're talking about DraftKings this week. Um, so we'll have to see how that one does. I know the Night Trader brought forward a number of names, and and we had earlier on this call Netflix. We're talking about. So if you missed that, by the way, I do record these and I drop them um, the recordings the following morning. Uh, for the subscribers to my newsletter, which is a trader's education, I've got that pinned at the top. If anybody's interested in trading strategies and education, and I share what I learned along the way and, and what I've learned over the years. Um, and then also post some trade ideas throughout the week. So check that out if you're interested. Also, be sure to give everybody here who is on this space a follow. Uh, these speakers are giving their time and obviously bringing tons of great knowledge. I mean, you guys, I think I, I felt like I started things off slowly and you guys just picked this right up for me and got it rocking and rolling like you always do. So I appreciate that very much. Give these guys a follow. It will improve your timeline, no doubt about it. Um, and I want to mention this. I know uh, I briefly alluded to it earlier. This is a ticker I'm going to look into. I'd be curious for you guys' thoughts on the, the idea in general. Dividend Dog brought it to my attention, so shout out to him. North American Construction Group, ticker's NOA, and it's got this nice rounding pattern. So I mentioned Zoom wasn't giving us this look. This is the look I'm, I'm talking about. So if you're pulling up charts, you go look at Zoom. It's kind of flat to a little bit lower, and you know, we talked about some of the struggles there in competition. You look at uh, North American Construction, NOA, I don't know about their competition, but I can tell you this chart is rounding and making higher highs in a nice way. You get the 50-day moving average curling up nicely, and you got a nice clear target above of getting back to $25 a share, where it's at $23.38 currently. And the question I have for the group here is this kind of ties into the infrastructure play and kind of a rebuilding uh, or not about rebuilding, but infrastructure play, right? This this company is into providing equipment for maintenance, mining, heavy construction. And this is North America and Australia, right? Canada, US, Australia. And so for me, I like um, this kind of play. I feel like that we do have a lot of dollars going into infrastructure and into mining. And if, if it's copper mining, I don't see it's copper necessarily, but I think that would be super interesting too. Paul, do you have any thoughts here? Um, I don't know anything about the company itself or the fundamentals, so I can't really make a, a too too smart of a uh, you know too educated of a of a, of a uh, comment here. But just yeah, looking like, at the chart, uh, I, I mean, look, oh, go on. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, talk about the chart. I was going to say about just in general this kind of idea of um, you know oiling or uh, construction equipment and and mining. But go ahead. What were you going to say about the chart? Yeah, I mean the. It's kind of near all-time highs here, so that makes me a little hesitant. Um, you know, can it hit this level 2007, 2008? 
uh, hit hit it in hit this level in um, July, August, uh, September of twenty three, and now it's coming back up to it. This uh, this kind of twenty three seventy two level, you know, twenty twenty five level ish. Yeah, you want to call it that. Um, so they do construction and mining. You said. It looks like it's the equipment for, right? They provide the equipment, yeah, for uh, oh, okay. heavy, heavy construction and mining. Kind of like a, not like, not quite like a caterpillar or something, a little different. Yeah, I'll have to look into it more, but it's like pre-stripping and pit pioneering, it says, and, uh, you know, creating uh, all the different budgetary estimates and, and construction project. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. it looks really interesting. So, I'm like, I'm going to jump in here real quick. Um, yeah. My degrees in construction management, I used to do a lot of tunnel boring, and I, I know a lot of people in this industry. Um, nice. I, I guess it's, if maybe, I don't know this company specifically, but there is, you know, obviously companies like um, Mitsubishi, for example, makes tunnel boring equipment. A lot of people don't know that. Um, there, there are some big companies in the space. Well, the Japanese companies make everything. That's, yeah. uh, and, um, and Samsung, yeah, so Korean. What I'm saying is there is competition in the space. Um, so I'm going to say that piece and feel free to ask questions because I haven't done research on these companies, but I know the industry. Um, so I'll tell you. Go ahead, Blanda. I was going to ask you a question. Yeah, but typically construction equipment and mining and just the whole space in general is very capital intensive. Um, requires a lot of money. And when rates go up, it tends to really squeeze some margins on those types of businesses. And um, they can be very dependent on government spending. So a lot of these large projects um if government spending gets pushed out they, they can do really well they can make big money because there's limited capacity and everything everybody wants everything done right away um, but if that spending gets cut back maybe the government pulls back on spending or rates go up and you know we're not seeing the skyscrapers and we're not seeing the big infrastructure type projects happen um these companies will will really shrink quickly they tend to cut a lot of people they tend to cut a lot of staff um it is just to survive so it's a very interesting sector construction and heavy industries in general um yeah uh, that just as general i can say i don't know the company specifically but we'll yeah yeah questions or whatever so, so it's interesting you mentioned that i, I too have the uh, experience in the construction industry and i don't want to go too much oh looks like maybe we get the we get dividend dog tongue on this real quick though um i will say that united what maybe we will look at here in a second i want to get dividend dogs take on noa here so I know he's done some research, but uh, United Rentals is another one. Maybe we'll throw it back to that here in a minute, Blind Luck. Dividend Dog, you joined us. Hey, what's going on, Nate? Yeah, I've been here, man. I was uh, I was making some dinner and I had a phone call with a family member, but no, I'm here. I'm here. Appreciate you for, for hosting, man. This is awesome. Uh, appreciate you for uh, bringing up little old uh, NOA. Just then I came across my, uh, my screener here when I was looking up some small cap uh, energy um, stocks and this one popped up with a nice little PE, um, 13, two is trading at a peg four to 0.7. It's got good stuff in the pipeline. Um, you know, for, for sales that are coming this year's, um, 12.9% return on invested capital. I've been in the business for 70 years. They have over 1300 heavy equipment, um, operations of assets. Um, last year they did a, uh, or this year, expecting to do 1.5 1.7 billion dollars of uh revenue and it's got a 1.3 dividend yield 18 percent um 
you know, payout, which is solid five-year dividend growth rate, 38%. You know, they're located in three countries. They do um, help with servicing 11 commodities. And with the demand um, in Canada and you, you, um, in Australia, you know, they're going to be backed up um, by billions of dollars from the Canadian government and also the Australian government, too, for just different uh, projects. So this is just the one that's that's just on my list right now. I got a price target that may it may push past the 25 or it may go back down. So I've been uh, accumulating some few shares here every, every, uh, every chance that I get. So I like, oh, I like, what, uh, yeah, I like, I like what they, uh, what they got going on over there and it's not directly getting into the sector. It's kind of just being a part of the service. So, you know, always going to need services, you know, for the, for the, you know, for the commodities. So, so yeah, this is a, it's a pretty neat company, man. I, I, like I said, I like what they like, what they have and, with all the stuff that we need for mining is EVs and the, the nickel and all different types of other uh, sources. Yeah. You know, I think this is a pretty solid one here to look at. I, went, I don't know about that. trading it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not good at trading. <laughs> well, no, I know you, you're a longer term investor, which I definitely appreciate. And I am, you know, I think we all are, even the traders here looking at long-term investments. And I just really like the, the way this charts, you know, found support basically, at 19 and then just pushed higher from there. So uh, Paul made some in good points. He had to drop, but you know, that we had reached these highs, you know, several years ago. So it's worth watching it as it gets to this $25 level. But uh, I like, I like the idea. So I wanted to bring it up. So thanks for sharing that with us, by the way, and dropping that in my, in my DMs earlier. Definitely. I'm going to add one more thing. Um, yeah. The, I, I forget the exact number, but the market cap on the one you guys are looking at was around 13 billion. Um, this is a huge industry. So Caterpillar, for example, has a 147 billion market cap. So there's there's definitely room in the space for this company to grow and potentially really take some market share if they wanted to. Yeah, looking at the rating summary on uh, Seeking Alpha, we got two buys and a hold. So definitely like to see that as well. NOA, nice one added to the list. Uh, and blind luck, maybe we chop it up another time about URI. So United Rentals, that's something that, you know, when I worked in construction many lifetimes ago, uh, that was the go-to. And, you know, this is not a bad ticker to, to be looking at for some long-term investment, in my opinion, either. So maybe we chop that up some other time. I'd love to get your take. Yeah, give me some time to dig into a couple um, construction slash industrial service companies. There's, there's definitely potential in the sector. Yeah, it's making nice moves. So I think industrials would be a good thing to talk about here in the near term, near future. Added to all of our tech talk and our consumer, uh, you know, kind of discretionary names that we like to talk about a lot. Great discussion tonight, you guys. I am going to go ahead and wrap it up here, and we will be back tomorrow at eight o'clock, talking about eight p.m. Eastern, talking about building wealth and uh, different ways to go about it, not just stock market talk. So definitely tune in for that. These guys share their knowledge along those lines as well. And again, give them all a follow. Joe France, Dylan, Blind Bug, Night Trader, Dave Greta. We got Kay and the Dividend Dog all joining us. Thanks again for uh, sharing your thoughts, you guys. Anybody have any last-minute thoughts before I do pull the plug on tonight's space? Yes. The stock market's not going to crash until after the yield curve inverts. Gosh darn it, man. I see this all the time. It's not going to happen. Not until the yield curve uninverts. And it will. It will. I 100% agree. But, I've been saying yeah. that for a while, too. People are way too early calling the crash. It always happens much later than people think. Yeah, man. I, I'm right there with you. So that's, that's my one thing. 
Dylan, I'm glad you joined us, man. Uh, even if you're pumping iron, you're always on point. Nothing distracts you. Good stuff. Yeah, keep an eye on that yield inversion. That's another good topic we will be talking. We'll be here every Tuesday and Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to tune in if you like it, uh, like what you're hearing. We'll be back with more. And uh, it's just going to get better from here. So have a great night, everybody. Good luck trading tomorrow. And happy investing to you. Talk to you soon.